Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 165. I hope everyone's doing all right out there. My guest for today is Kezia Vida. She does dream work. Now you might think, well, what is dream work? We're not necessarily talking about analyzing your dreams here to interpret them. Right? Like people who have dreams where... Their teeth are falling out. And we're like, well, this is what that means. Or I think it's a Freudian concept to think of like, if you're thinking of a body of water or an ocean, that's a sexual dream. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about using your dreams as a tool to help analyze what's going on in your life and to get down to the psychology of your thoughts. I'm reading a book right now. I was reading it as a bit of a companion piece to researching for this episode, but it's called The Tibetan Yogas of Dream and Sleep. And there's a quote right in the very beginning after the introduction that I think helps to summarize what I thought of as the purpose for talking to Kezia today. So if you will indulge me. The first step in dream practice is quite simple one must recognize the great potential that dream holds for the spiritual journey. Normally, the dream is thought to be unreal as opposed to real waking life. But there is nothing more real than dream. The statement only makes sense once it is understood that normal waking life is as unreal as dream and in exactly the same way. Then it can be understood that dream yoga applies to all experience, to the dreams of the day, as well as the dreams of the night. I think that's a cool quote. And I also just interested in a lot of things, right? A lot of things that I'm quite a novice at. I've always had very vivid dreams as I'm sure, well, I guess I'm not sure that you have. Because again, in reading this book and in preparing for this and in talking to Kezia, I guess some people don't really dream that much. Or maybe it's more that they don't remember the dreams that they have. So that is part of Kezia's work as well. Journaling, writing about your dreams, actively trying to remember them and to pull them apart a bit. One of the things I thought was really cool that she talked about was sort of the value of what we think of as like bad dreams too, right? Nightmares. That there's a lot of good stuff in there that you can use as a tool for yourself. So in the show notes for this episode, as always, there are links to find more information about Kezia. And if you're interested in seeking her out for some help, That'd be really cool too. I know right now a lot of people are going through a lot of turmoil and that leads to some deep and dark thoughts and those are affecting the way that people around the world are dreaming. You can just go to Google and put that in. There's there's lots of stuff out right now about how people are having real funky dreams all around the world. So seek her out for that. She also has dream journals. She has a YouTube channel that's really cool and interesting. And I believe she said she's going to add to that uh, some videos from, from where she lives, the Institute, 
which we talk about. So yeah, check her out. And there's also a link to my Patreon account in the show notes. You know what Patreon is. Um, the kickbacks are stickers and shirts, postcards from around the world. And the Patreon account goes to keeping these episodes coming on a weekly basis. All right, cool folks. Enjoy this conversation with Kezia. I really did. And I think you'll like it. Well, listen, I'm certainly not uh, an expert in your field, but I'm interested in a wide range of things, as we we talked about a bit when we were messaging back and forth. Um, So it's really cool to have you. I think maybe a good starting point is just describing what your work is and how you came to be doing it. Sure. So I work with people in their dreams. And I do a type of dream work called natural dream work. Um, and basically what makes this type of dream work a little bit different than a lot of approaches. So we really put the focus on the feeling of the dream, how the dream made you feel, um, how what sort of impressions it left on your body and potentially ways that that could connect to feelings that you are having in your life or you've had in your life at some point or another. And um, I started doing this work about 10 years ago. Um, I came into contact with it actually through my father. He um, also teaches and does dream work. Um, And he was working with a particular teacher that um, I also started working with and kind of went down that path. Um, There's definitely some Jungian influences in the approach. But again, uh, we call it natural dream work because it's really just trying to take the dream as a natural phenomenon, just sort of take it for what it is. And kind of, we feel like the most basic thing you can say about what a dream is, is a self experience that you had in your body. And so we try to really kind of approach it in that way and, um, you know, see what comes out of it. So it's much more of a, like a psychological approach versus talking about like, uh, brain scans of people who are dreaming and seeing like which parts of your brains are of your brain is active. Right. It's definitely not um, very analytical or, or scientific. Well, I mean, or like research based, I guess. Um, I would say there is more of a, you know, I, I mean, one way to think about it is that, you know, I, I don't really believe there's anything objective that they're ever going to say in an absolute terms about what your dream might mean to you, right. right? Because the dream is such a subjective experience and you're the only person that ever had your dream. Even if you describe it to someone else, even if they show you a brain scan of your dream, it's not really the same as you experiencing your dream yourself. And because it's so private and so subjective and so personal, I feel like it's really an area that we, we don't really, we shouldn't be looking to anyone else to tell us what it means. Um, which I guess kind of puts me out of a job in a way. <laughs> but what I mean to say is that with there, I don't think there's going to be this definitive answer from any source of what dreams are, or what dreams mean. I really think it's a discovery and a journey that each person gets to be going on themselves. And so sort of we've decided or the choice we make in terms of that relationship that we have towards dreams is that we're going to take them for what they are you know, and sort of trust that they do have a meaning or a purpose 
and that, you know, even when they bring us into contact with material or feelings or situations that we're uncomfortable with, if we stick with them and, and stay present with them, they can actually, you know, help us, um, which is something that I say, not because again, that it's like been proven to me by a study, but through my own personal experience and then all the work I've done with other people, when you trust that your dream, you know, has something for you and it has value and you let yourself feel the way it makes you feel, um, growth and change and transformation and healing can happen. Wow. So, I mean, I, I had here in my notes to ask you, what is a dream? So I'm going to, I'm going to, based on what you just said, I'm going to cross that out. Um, <laughs> okay. But I'm reading this book right now. And is it, is it fair to say that, you know, you have all of these experiences throughout life and opinions and reactions and feelings. And is it fair to say that those are sort of stored up and then maybe almost like re-triggered throughout the day when you have an experience that reminds you of that? And then that is the thing that pops up in your, in your dream that night. So, yeah, I mean, that's one of the basic um, theories that psychology has kind of put out about what a dream is, you know, like a rehash of your experiences from the day. And, um, I guess like my first answer is like, yeah, I mean, you could look at it that way. Like, I don't think there's anything in dreams necessarily that would be able to definitively dispute that. But for me, it's not, again, not really a question of like, why did I dream about this particular thing? Like what, what kind of reason could I find? But more, okay, now that I've gotten this particular thing, what am I going to do with it? Mm. What does it bring up for me? when I wake up from this dream and I had this particular feeling, you know, if I, if I can trust that my dreams do come to guide me, to teach me, to show me something of value to me, if I, if I just like take that belief instead of this other belief, which is more like dreams don't really have much of a me or like kind of this regurgitated idea. It doesn't really lend itself to the idea that the dream has a lot of depth, mm. right? Because it's just kind of saying like, Oh, you had this thought, and so during the day, so then it came up in the dream or whatever. So that doesn't mean too much. But if you're like, "Wow, my dreams matter. My dreams are something of value to me. My dreams matter more to me than anybody else because I'm the only one who has them." Um, then you might look at that experience in a different way. Like, "Wow, why did my dream bring me into contact with that particular thing? Of all the things that it could have done, could have chosen, that was the one it picked." And I thought about that earlier today. What's up with that? Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I think we've all had the experience before of having re recurring dreams. Like maybe not uh, exactly the same, but either themes that are reoccurring or, you know, actual events in dreams. Have you ever worked with anyone or maybe even done your own work on yourself where you were able to sort of... Uh, identify maybe what's happening in your life or the experience that led to having that dream and sort of solve that issue. And then the dream stops being a reoccurring dream. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think one of the, the things with the phenomenon of reoccurring dreams is that often, I mean, it does kind of lend, lend credence to what I'm saying of like the dream having an intention for you and wanting you to bring you in contact with certain things. And if it's feeling like 
you, you know, if your dreams are feeling like you're not getting it or you're not really receiving the information, it's not clicking, then it's coming up over and over. And so, oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Let me get her out of here. Okay. Um, so, so what I was saying with the recurring dreams, so basically the idea being that if you, um, aren't really understanding what the dream is trying to show you that it's going to keep coming, it's going to keep coming in different ways. And one of the things that we can do is, um, really try to just be present with what the dream is showing us. And understanding that, the, again, that the dreams are going to try to bring us contact with things that maybe we don't want to be in contact with. Often the material in reoccurring dreams is unpleasant and things that we are, you know, trying to push aside for some reason or another. And, and that causes us to kind of gloss over, like sometimes we'll just wake up and we'll be like, I just had another anxiety dream, you know, and we're not really paying that close attention to what the dream is actually saying or what the dream is actually showing about that anxiety or about that difficult feeling that you don't want to feel. And so even though the, the dreams come and they're really hard and often they can just feel like, oh, this is such a slog, it just keeps coming over and over. It doesn't necessarily take very much to just stand and be like, okay, this keeps coming over and over. I'm going to take a deep breath here and just really sink into it. Because if it's coming like this over and over and over, there must be some point to it. There must be something for me here. And I want, if I can trust that enough that there is support for me here and that there's something to it, then maybe, you know, it's, it can become an opportunity rather than something that we're just trying to get rid of. And I have seen that process work many times uh, for people. Um, so yeah. if, if someone's in that situation and let's say, you know, I don't want to maybe take all your trade secrets here. Um, but let's say someone's having a recurring dream of, I'll give you something I used to have quite often when I was younger. I would always have these dreams that I was being chased and like this happened for years. Like it could be anything. It could be like the police. It could be dogs, uh, some nameless faceless thing or whatever it was. And these would happen all the time to me. And I never got caught like literally years of dreams like this. And I, I, like looking back on it, at some point it stopped, but like looking back on it, I'm pretty certain it was like some type of anxiety because I was quite anxious about a lot of things. And that in, in my life has been resolved and, you know, at about the time that the dream stopped. So um, not that I did any deep work on that, but I think that that's likely what that was. But if somebody is in a situation where the dreams are recurring and they are trying to figure it out, um, is the first step to like start writing these down and recording them so that they're aware that the dreams are taking place or like what's the initial step someone should take? Yeah. Writing them down is a great way. And I think, I mean, I think one of the initial steps is kind of along the lines of what I'm saying, which is like just kind of trusting and thinking to yourself, you know what, maybe science doesn't really know everything about what dreams are about. And I have this feeling that my dreams are trying to share something with me or they have a message for me. And so I'm going to, you know, do the work of writing them down. And, you know, by doing that, I'm going to um, be able to, you know, remember them uh, and reflect upon them. Because again, like 
part of, I think, again, the, one of the big instincts that people have when they wake up is like, I want to figure out what my dream means. You know, they're looking for the analysis. They're looking to interpret it. And, you know, with us, we're like, well, you can think about what it means or you can think about how it makes you feel. And you can just be with the presence of the dream without trying to collapse it into one particular meaning. You can really try to expand it, you know, and go deeper with it and, you know, believe that it has more potential than just the one thing um, that a dream dictionary might tell you. So anything that you could do to deepen that relationship, right? Writing it down, you know, reflecting on the feelings, telling somebody else about your dream, sharing your dream with other people, um, you know, all of that stuff just creates this relationship. And I know many people I've worked with, you know, just from the act of starting to write them down, then they're starting to get more out of them. Just by writing it down and then reading what you wrote can sometimes be enough for things to start to click and be like, wow, that dream really had more in it than I thought. Um, and that happens so often, I think, for people when they actually start to write down the details of the dream and they recognize, wow, first of all, I remember a lot more of it than I really realized. And second of all, these things that I remember are really starting to fill in the blanks and help me understand why the dream was the way that it was. Yeah, and it's, it's funny if you really think about it because let's say, you know, we get the recommended eight hours of sleep, right? Not everybody does. So let's say we spend, you know, a quarter to a third of our lives sleeping. And we look at sort of our waking life and the consciousness we possess there as sort of the, the valid type of consciousness, right? That it's what we put most of our effort into. But like, I mean, would you argue that what's happening in your brain during that other third of your life to a quarter to a third of your life is as valid as the brain activity that's happening, you know, in, in your waking state? Um, as valid? Um, well, it, I think in a way, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess it depends what you mean by as valid or what, what gives reality a validity, right? So we, when our waking life, we are in, we are in time moving forward. We are living in space and time. We live in a 3D realm. There's all these laws that govern this physical realm that we're in when we're awake. Um, so that, that all lays the foundation of what we think of as quote unquote reality. Um, but when we're asleep, you know, we could, you know, we do have the tendency to think of it as lesser than, right. It's not as valid as actual reality, but it has these interesting qualities, right. One of them being that often people can feel more deeply and more intensely in their dreams than they do when they're awake. Mm. Um, Another phenomenon I find really interesting in dreams is that people will sometimes feel like a, a situation in a dream feels, quote unquote, more real or more present to them than things that they do when they're awake or other things in the dream. Um, both of which, I guess, shows me that there's this idea of reality or this sense of reality, a feeling of reality that does linger even when we're asleep, even when we're not in this like 3D world that we cling to as the quote unquote only reality of what's really real. Um, and so in that sense, I do think that this dream realm or this consciousness that we enter into while we are asleep, this other realm of reality, right? This other kind of experience of what reality could be like um, has validity. Yeah, I do. Um, but not like as a, oh, it's more important than, or it's better than, or, you know, it's just, it's very, very different. Um, but I do think that it has impact, um, to be sure. And that, 
you know, it's just, there just seems to be, I guess part of my skeptical perspective on it as well, is just, there's so much, if you look at dreams in mainstream culture, it seems like they've, they've done a lot of work to make us think, think that they're really insignificant. And it's kind of like, you guys are protesting too much, <laughs> you know, what used to be valuable and seen as by humanity be valuable for many hundreds, I mean, throughout generations and throughout different cultures all around the world. Um, it's only recently that we've decided actually, no, they, they really don't have very much meaning at all. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I guess, you know, sometimes it, it takes me a while to clearly articulate myself, but I guess if you think about like, like metacognition is thinking about your thinking, right? I think that, you know, we spend a lot of time analyzing behaviors and thoughts that we have during our waking state. And I guess what I meant by that is just like the, the, the thoughts and the experiences and, and the dreams that are taking place in, in your, you know, in your sleeping state. Um, I guess what if I, I was asking, like, if, if those are maybe like as real um, and as important as the thoughts that you're having in your waking conscious state. But I think you, you kind of touched on that. Oh, yeah. No, no, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. I would say that's the thing that's the most relevant, right? Mm. It's like, because you're right, we, we have our, like, we have our internal thoughts and analysis of how we're feeling or thinking throughout the day, right? Um, but then when we're asleep, and there's actually no external stimulus or input, then we are getting put into this dream world. And again, because there's no external stimulus or input, it's actually in some ways, I think more relevant what we think and feel in the dream than what we do when we're awake. Because when we're awake, we're constantly reacting to all of this information that's being given to us. So instead of it being a pure reflection of what we think, it's actually what we think in response to all this input that we're getting. Mm. Well, in the dream, the input is actually coming from the inside. So in the dream, we're like reacting to our own input in a way. And that makes it an even more, I think, fertile platform and arena for us to explore the way we feel. Relationships, I think, are a good example. Like you, as a dream therapist, right, I can, or like a normal therapist can sit there and talk to you about your relationship all day long. And what they're going to get is your analysis of the relationships based on your experiences, your memory, you know, whatever else from your conscious mind, all based on the situations you've had in that relationship. Or you can tell me about a dream you had about your relationship. And that's going to actually give me a potentially deeper understanding of that relationship because, again, it's not going to be filtered through these experiences you've had when you're awake. It's going to be coming from you, a part of you that maybe you don't even have contact with or a subconscious part of you, right, that put you in a dream situation. And then you're going to see and feel how you react to it. And that's potentially going to be bigger insight to how you might feel on a deeper level than what you would just talk to me about on the first glance. Mm. Is that, yeah. Is that then why, you know, uh, I guess some therapists are hypnotherapists and work with hypnosis. Is that similar? Yeah, it's a similar premise. I mean, this is sort of the Freudian and then the Jungian concept that it's not unheard of, right? That we have, um, a subconscious mind or mm. I mean, I guess the way I think of it is like there are aspects of the way we think and the way we feel that we are um, judgmental of, ashamed of, afraid of, um, feel pain about. And so then we have other stories 
and ideas and things on top of that in our conscious mind that keep us from accessing those parts that we don't like or that we've judged or we think are, we should be over it by now, whatever it is, right? Um, And so I think the dream is a place where we can come back into contact with those things that we've maybe been pushing aside. Um, And in that process, recognize, oh, okay, I really do feel this or that. And that is affecting me in ways that I wasn't noticing because I was so busy, you know, my waking life just responding to things. Hmm. It's interesting. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm just wrong here or or I'm just, uh, not as educated on it, but it seems to me like a field that doesn't get as much attention as, as, you know, as a lot of other fields when we're talking about people's health. And if we're looking at the holistic person, I would think again, like something that's occurring for a large portion of your life is certainly worth looking at. Um, I don't know if people think like it's like woo woo science, right? Like maybe they're skeptics or if it's something the healthcare industry doesn't see as something that they can monetize because maybe there's not a pill attached to it. Um, but have, have you ever thought about that and like how maybe it can be integrated more into, uh, you know, people's everyday practice of their own healthcare? Absolutely. Yeah. I've thought about that a lot. Um, I mean, I think one of the biggest reasons is because it is challenging to the sort of research paradigm, kind of what the reasons I was saying earlier, like it would just be very difficult to make objective studies about dreams. I mean, they've done some, um, but it's difficult to really start to do that. I mean, even if you look at the psychology around emotions in general, right, it's like not as robust of a science as you might like. Um, Even though they have made a lot of strides, let's say in neuroscience, they still don't know a ton about why we feel the way we feel when we do, (laughs) right? Mm. Um, And that's still a a pretty mysterious thing. And so then continuing that down the line of dreams, right? It's like, it's just difficult to study like how or why a particular dream happened because an individual can maybe describe to you the dream. But, you know, even when you're trying to describe somebody your dream, you already know that it's not actually coming through the way that it really was, right? You're always like, oh, it was like this, but it was kind of like that, you know? Um, And so I think that aspect of it makes it very difficult to fit into the paradigm that we're in, which really wants us to be able to say these objective things about people. Um, that I don't think dreams are as interested in um, because they are, when you really start to examine them, you find so much beauty. Um, and and part of the, the beauty that I always see is it's a very contradictory realm. You know, there's often a lot of things that, you know, we say it all the time. This dream was weird. It didn't make any sense. And I'm like, that's right. It didn't. <laughs> you know, like the dreams are not that interested in making sense. They're not really trying to communicate with our rational minds the way that we like, you know, in the way that quote unquote society or science, you know, the way that that whole paradigm has kind of taken over and made us feel like what's rational is the only thing that's true. Mm. Um, and I think dreams are really coming from a different angle of what truth could really be like, how we can experience truth in our bodies rather than cling to truth, you know, in some kind of objective realm. Wow. And I was just thinking, um, yeah, I've spent some time in Southeast Asia and in Malaysia and Indonesia, there, 
there's a lot of superstitions and there's a lot of sort of like folk tales and folk stories about supernatural things. Uh, but something that, that I always kind of laughed about was this thing called getting the wind. And it's basically like uh, if you get a cold or even if you have like gas and, and you're like very burpy, you have the wind and you can get it on a motorbike. So even if it's hot out, um, you know, a lot of people wear long sleeves and coats on motorbikes to protect themselves from the sun over there. But a lot of people also do it out of superstition so that they don't get the wind, right? And, you know, a lot of, you know, maybe like people with a Western science background would be like, well, that's not a real thing. That's impossible. But it's a very real thing to people there. And it was just making me think a little bit if in the work you've done, if you found dreams to have like a cultural context to them or maybe even like a, a geographical context to them where people maybe have some commonalities or things that are they're colored by the particular culture that they're a part of? Um, to some extent, I mean, I think, yeah, I've definitely had the experience of, you know, working with people that come from different cultural backgrounds um, that are more open to dreams in general. Um, where it was, it was normal for them when they were growing up for their parents to ask them about their dreams. It was normal for them to hear from their like family members or aunts and uncles that what a dream might mean, um, or have them tell them what different things in dreams might symbolize. And that just being part of the cultural or community conversation. Mm. Um, so yeah, I've definitely observed that. And I do think it can be cultural, um, and like I was saying before, I think a lot of cultures all around the world were very interested in um, people's dreams and understood that they had meaning and, of course, connected that to a spiritual realm. And it's interesting now, actually, I do see a lot, um, like if you look on YouTube or something, a lot of the most popular dream interpretation videos are actually made by um, like I don't know if they're evangelical Christians. I don't think they're evangelical Christians. I think it's just kind of just normal Christians, <laughs> I guess you could say, like non-denominational kind of. Um, and so that's just been interesting to me lately. Like I think that somehow, you know, in, in a lot of those um, religions, things like tarot or astrology are not really seen as, you know, kosher or something that you can do. But dreams sort of have broken through, and I think it's because dreams play such a significant role in the Bible. Um, and we have many biblical stories that are based upon, um, you know, the characters' dreams um, and how that affects their behavior. So, again, the precedent of dreams having meaning is, is old, and we are sort of just in a very fresh new time recently that we've thought that they really weren't very significant or not something to pay a lot of attention to. That hasn't really stopped people, of course. I mean, there's been plenty, plenty of people still paying lots of attention. Um, but I also think in this cultural moment, um, people are like awakening up to it a little, a little bit again. And, um, you know, I think that as a culture, we are also very stuck in Freud's paradigms. Often when people like asking me about dreams, they're kind of asking questions based on what they might've heard of Freud say about them. Like, am I everybody in my dream or, you know, if like this whole idea of dreams being uh, wish fulfillment, like if I dream about me doing something really shameful in my dream, does that mean that's what I really want? 
you know, mm. and having a lot of fear around that. Um, and, I, and I don't really think either of those things are necessarily true, mostly because I don't think anything is necessarily true about your dream. I think that as an, again, as an individual, we really do have the freedom and, and the power to decide for ourselves what our dreams might mean. Um, yeah, and I think you make a really good point in there because actually the very last episode that I just recorded was about tarot. And, mm. you know, I think you see or we see a lot of our Western institutions really starting to fail us. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you even look at the utter failure of our multi-trillion dollar healthcare industry in this country... Um, you know, I mean, I guess that's another conversation by itself. But, you know, there's, there's certainly people becoming more aware of uh, traditional medicines and things like that that are certainly not new, uh, that have been around for a very long time. So I think, yeah, I definitely think there is something to that. And that's why I'm also excited to have you on because, you know, in part, these episodes are entertaining, but I also hope to be able to educate people about some of this stuff. So um, I was... Yeah, uh, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I have here in my notes, uh, this is not something I've ever done, but I wonder if you have any work with uh, like lucid dreaming and if there's even necessarily like a, if you think there's a need or, or a function to trying to like control what's happening in your dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's not an area that I've had a lot of experience with either. And, and that's primarily because my dreams have always just been so, I mean, you kind of got to the question when you asked me earlier about sort of the reality, like when I was a child, my dreams were so vivid and so intense and so captivating that it really was very confusing to me the way that people would talk about their dreams as if like, to me, it was very clear that there was very little difference. I mean, this is when I was a young child and still just trying to figure out, you know, like what's real and what's not. And for me, my dreams were just as real as when I was awake. Like it really didn't feel very different. I mean, I knew that I was the only person there and no one else knew about it, <laughs> but it still felt like this sort of like private world that I got access to. And so I was just saying all that because I feel like, um, when it comes to lucid dreaming, like it took me a while to even understand what that meant. Um, and, and now that I understand it, um, I think that, I mean, it does go back to what I was saying. Like one of the main things that I would hope for in terms of my work and just the future of dreaming in general is that people would build the relationship with their dreams that really feels good and valuable to them. And, you know, one of the things I read, um, a book, I think by Robert Wagner about lucid dreaming. And he really talks about how if you want to like maintain a lucid dream and keep it going without waking yourself up, it's real that it's really important to surrender to what's happening in the dream and try not to control it too much, Um, which I think is very interesting um, and sort of struck me because I think that there's, there's just probably truth to that. But I know that for people that are really into lucid dreaming, when they have those lucid dreaming experiences and they are able to surrender, and but also still feel very conscious and very present in their dream and feel their dream very deeply, that it affects them greatly and that it has a lot of meaning for them. So I would never want to take that away from anyone, you know, like if that's their truth. And again, anyone that's like putting time and attention into their dreams, um, you know, and we're all on the same team. 
But then, of course, on the other hand, that I would not want people to get caught up with lucid dreaming and feel like the only way they're going to have meaning or have a deep experience with their dream is if they lucid dream. Or to feel like because it's something that's actually quite difficult to cultivate, that if they're not able to, they are in some way not as conscious or not as evolved or not as aware as people who are able to do that. Um, I would very much disagree with that just because I've just seen so much amazing like jaw dropping, like heart melting beauty, just from people's regular old dreams, you know, like simple dreams, really, you know, like hugging their grandmother or seeing a a red, a red boat pass on the sea. You know, these can be deep, deep moments of, of great feeling that can really resonate so deeply for the dreamer. And, you know, it just would be a shame for, to me that someone would have a dream like that and be like, oh, stupid dream. I'm waiting for my lucid dream. Then my dreams will really matter. Um, so there's kind of the spectrum, but kind of where I come from with the whole lucid dream question. Yeah. Um, the, the point about the grandma is interesting. I, I don't even, I don't know if this is even insulting to ask. So if it is, uh, forgive me, it's strictly out of ignorance. But there's obviously, you know, there's people who think that we go somewhere, right? Like maybe it's a dimensional thing or maybe um, we're connecting with other people's brainwaves or like, oh, my, my grandmother hugged me in my dream. That means my grandmother's reaching out to me. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's no way, there's, there's no science to prove any of that. Um, right. But I guess just, you know, based on your experience, if you think there's anything to all of that. Well, so what I always often tell people, because um, they'll ask me a lot if, if they dream about someone who's passed, um, like or someone who, who died, um, you know, what that means or if it's really them or, you know, that type of question. And what I always say to that is like, well, it's literally as close as you could ever possibly get to feeling like they are with you now that they are dead. Mm. So in that sense, like it is that. Right. It, it's like it's that experience. And again, it's, it's as close as you can get to it. I think my I think my answer is just like with all those questions, right, is very pragmatic. Like, OK, if you believe that it's your grandmother reaching out to you, how does that make you feel? Because that is a belief, right? That's just like a faith that you're holding. And it's a way of interpreting your experience. And I can't deny it. You know, I, I it's like it's it just a question of how does it affect you that you feel that I say that to like for people that have had dreams about like alien abductions right and so they'll tell me like I was abducted by aliens in my dream and I'll be like like and they it's like in a way they seem to be asking like could that be true and I'm like well do you believe that it's true I mean do you believe that aliens abducted you and and if so how is that affecting your life like how does it change your perspective how is how is that really, you know, or are you just kind of holding it as a question? Like, do you have you really taken it seriously, I guess, is my question. Because I know for me, like, if I had a dream experience and I woke up and I felt like I had literally been abducted by aliens, I would assume that that would change my whole entire life and my whole perspective on reality. Um, and and if that's if that is something, I'm open to that experience. You know, like, I'm not, I'm not going to deny that that could happen because I don't know. Um, but again, yeah, it just goes back to like, how does that affect the way that you understand yourself and, and the way you feel about the world and, 
your place in it and, and all those things. And again, I think those are things that we get to determine for ourselves. I don't think there's as much objective truth out there as we would like there to be on, on these things. Um, and so I do really try to empower people as dreamers. You know, I feel like dreaming is a very human capacity. It's really connected to our capacity for imagination and creativity. We're the most imaginative, creative creatures on the whole planet. You know, that's what makes us special. And so, you know, I, I would never want to take away anybody's, like, um, experience in that way. Like, I, if you dreamed it and it felt really real to you and that reality is playing out in your life, like, all power to you, you know, and I respect you and I give you support because um, I think it takes a lot to sort of live out these stranger dreams that you might have in the world and sort of stand in them, even when everything around you is telling you, well, that's not really possible. Wow. Because they really don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's a really beautiful take on it. Um, you know, th there's something quite topical right now, right? And here's my long tangent way of asking this, but, um, you know, I would imagine that if you're working with someone and they're speaking about their dreams and that you uncover that, let's say they had an abusive relationship mm -hmm. and, and that's impacted how they approach relationships now. And that's something that is uncovered through the experiences that are happening in their dream. I'd imagine that's something that you can, you can start to work on. Um, mm -hmm. as long as the, the relationship is no longer still occurring, right? Like the abuse isn't happening on a day-to-day -day basis. We're in the middle of something that for you and I is, or actually for pretty much everyone is unprecedented, right? It, I mean, first there's the pandemic, but second, the country's response to the pandemic is unlike one that they've had for anything else. Um, yeah. so this is really quite a unique time. And I, Maybe it's impacting my dreams. I don't know, but I've certainly read that this is a phenomenon that's happening throughout the world. And I, you know, I was just I was thinking, it's not changing right now, right? Like there, there's no, mm. there's nothing that any, there's nothing that you and I can do on a on a mass scale to change what's happening. So I guess like, how would you go about doing your work in a time like this? Um, when it's something that's very new to all of us and to you and something that we don't really have control over. Mm. Maybe that's like well, way too big and loaded. I don't know. No, no. I mean, it's a, I, I, it is, I guess the way I look at it though, in a way is that we are in unprecedented times, I think, for the acute nature and the universal nature of the experience. Although even in the, the universal nature, of course, each person's little experience inside of this is, can be very different um, just in terms of what the external, how the external situation is actually playing out for them. Um, and this idea, though, of like what. I mean, are, is what you're asking, like, what is the purpose of trying to do this internal work right now um, when I'm not going to be able to change the external experience? Yeah, I guess maybe I'm or, not asking what the purpose is, but just, yeah, like, how, how would you help someone right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think, so 
I guess it goes back to kind of what I was saying before. And it's a similar thing with the relationship question too. I mean, maybe even if they were, were still in the relationship, um, which is, you're right. We have, I mean, and this has actually always been true even before COVID, we have no control over what's going to happen to us. Hmm. Right. I mean, this external world is just filled this whole life thing. Holy crap. You know, it's just filled with all of these challenges, obstacles, uh, curveballs. Um, it, it can be very scary. Suddenly, you know, things can change very quickly. All of a sudden, this can be very, and you know, these are just all realities of being alive and, um, they can be traumatic. Um, but they have always been true. And so they, um, I think the dreams come to remind us. And again, it's this idea that it's really a reflection of your own internal state. So, you know, if you're, you're dreaming every night right now about COVID situations or feelings around COVID or, you know, that type of thing. I would ask you if those feelings were ever familiar to you before this whole thing began, because yes, maybe it's heightened now. Maybe it's more acute. Maybe it's more intense. Maybe it's more on the surface, but I would bet for a lot of people the, the kinds of feelings they're feeling right now are not actually completely new to them. And that there have actually been other times in their lives when very stressful or traumatic situations came about and they reacted in similar ways. And that's not about, it's not a blame or like something's wrong um, unless it is, right? I mean, in terms of like their behaviors right now, the way they're coping with the external situation is actually making their situation worse or making it more difficult for them mm. or not actually, they're not actually showing up to the situation with their whole selves the way that you really want to be able to in a very difficult time, right? We want to be able to be strong inside of ourselves, know that we're connected to something deeper, know that we have ways of supporting ourselves from the inside so that even when life is throwing these difficult situations at us, putting us, you know, on our heels, making us see things in a new light, that we can lean on this internal place inside of us and know that it's going to be okay and that we can even act with bravery and courage and open hearts and a generous spirit. And, you know, that's the dream spirit, right? The, the dream of that we can come out of this having grown, having changed. You know, and even though it's so challenging and we're very afraid that some good things actually came through because of it and that we can be proud of the way we acted, you know, in, in a tough situation. Hmm. So if I was going to be helping someone in this time, and I have been working with a lot of people, it's been amazing just because it is such a grand time of transformation. So much is up in the air. So many things that we used to think of ourselves or ways that we were thinking we were going to be living or moving in our lives in the years to come are shifting and changing quickly. And we do have an opportunity to really say, okay, am I just going to become like a leaf to the wind of these situations and just kind of be like, oh, well, you know, who cares? I'm just, it's just COVID, just F everything, you know, hmm. or am I going to really take the time to go inside and really do what I can do to show up as my best self right now and, and really understand, you know, these old coping mechanisms, these ways that I've been clinging on to 
to, you know, survive these other difficult times, it's not going to keep flying right now. Cause I, I want to, I want to arrive at this moment, you know, my full self. And that's what the dream wants. You know, the dreams are always going to be coming to support you being whole um, because they don't really have any judgment of you. You know, your dream might put you in contact with things that make you feel ashamed or scared um, or like you don't want to see that part of yourself. And you just always remember like your dream like is just wanting you to be whole self, flaws and all. It's all okay. Mm. You You are just who you are. And you're still supported and you're still, you know, being shown things about yourself because, you know, there's something I believe greater that does believe in you, you know, and believe in all of us. Man, that would have been like a beautiful note to end on, but I have, I have one other sort of a, (laughs) I have like one other original sort of thought or question that came to mind. Um, yeah. And that's like human beings are like constantly altering our consciousness. And, Uh you know, across cultures, I think maybe like the four biggest ways we do that through um, substances, right? Like I guess like exogenous substances are uh, like caffeine, alcohol, uh, even nicotine, like tobacco, uh, through cigarettes, and then likely the most commonly used, like quote unquote, drug is marijuana. Um, I wonder, like in your work, if you found these to have like a profound impact on people's dreams, if they have different impacts, if there's any value to them, or if people are like looking for clarity, if they should like cut out and go clean for a while. <laughs> well. I mean, absolutely. I personally experienced, and I know many other people have experienced that if they're smoking weed, especially like right before they go to sleep, they have trouble uh, remembering their dreams. Um, And similarly, like if they're drinking a lot before they go to sleep, they're going to have trouble remembering their dreams. If they have just like not great sleep habits in general, a lot of insomnia or um, taking other kinds of things to try to get them to sleep or, you know, all this stuff. Um, and so, yes, it can have an impact on your dreams. Um, but there's also people that have never touched a single drug in their life who never remember their dreams either. Um, and never even think about it or worry about it, you know, whether they should or not. Hmm. So I definitely wouldn't put it as a judgment, like, you know, if you want to get far in life, like you must be sober at all times. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't really look at it that way. I mean, I think it's just an interesting line that everyone has to walk. Cause it's just like you said, we're always consuming something. Like we're always in contact with substances that have a, a great effect on our bodies and our minds on our hearts, on our, on our relationships, you know, I think of that even in terms of like, you know, we go to the grocery store and we buy all this food that has been produced in horrible ways and we eat that food and, you know, all of the really disgusting practices that are life killing and harming the earth and poisoning the water and poisoning the air. We're just consuming it all day long, you know, or or, does that mean everybody's bad? 
<laughs> you know, and, and everyone's never going to get anywhere in life. No, you know, like, you know, so I guess to me, it's always just like kind of trying to strike a balance, you know, and, and I, I feel like people are, can be really absolutist and hard on themselves on, on either ends of the spectrum. Cause we're always looking to be right. You know, we want to be right. And I feel like my dreams have really taught me, you know, like what is right? What is wrong? Like, isn't it better to just be loving and be compassionate, first of all, to ourselves and understand whatever addictions that we may have, whatever we may struggle with in our minds, you know, and go back and forth in and shame ourselves or judge ourselves or just go back to it to numb out or, you know, shirk our responsibilities, all of these things that um, if we can come back to just a bigger picture of, of love and compassion for ourselves and trust that we're doing our best and, you know, that resolve to do better, you know, cause yeah, we have to show up to life. We do, but also life is hard, <laughs> you know? And, <Yeah. laughs> and I don't think these, these substances, obviously we've been designed to consume things. That's part of what we do. So, um, I don't know if that answers it. <laughs> no, I, I think it does. Um, you know, maybe maybe I'll I'll end on this. Uh, you know, I've I've researched you a bit here to prepare, uh, and I saw the All You Need Institute. Uh, yeah, and I was wondering if you could talk about this. Is is this where you live? Yeah, this is where I live. Me and my partner, we we've been um, out here in Mississippi, and yeah, I mean. We actually have been thinking about starting a YouTube channel called Living the Dream. Um, and we both are interested in dream work. And, you know, we basically um, got 111 acres and we're doing everything we can to try to live sustainably with the earth, take good care of the land that we find ourselves on and grow our own food and, you know, raise chickens and have sort of that homesteading life and also create workshops and retreats. Um, for people to be closer to the land. But one of the things that we're really trying to emphasize in that, because I know there's a lot of retreat centers teaching permaculture and that type of thing, um, but also focusing on the internal blocks and the things that maybe get in our way from the inside, on the emotional side of things, on the relational side of things, that keep us from living in these ways with the earth. Because I think one of the things that really gets in people's way when it comes to, you know, living in better relationship with the resources that give us life is that we get sort of just caught up in our human dramas. You know, we feel, um, and not for, I don't mean to minimize it, right. We've been really hurt. You know, we carry a lot of trauma. Like we have a lot of wounds that make it hard for us to be in good relationship with ourselves, let alone other people, let alone the earth. You know, and we're really disconnected from these cultures and these times and these villages and these tribes where we were connected to each other, we were connected to the land and, you know, we really had a safety in that, that I think we missed. And, um, you know, we want to try to build a place where people can come to rekindle that flame, you know, to whatever little extent that we can in this region. It's important to us because we um, are both from here. So, and there's not necessarily a ton of this stuff going on around here, although, Mississippi has definitely been impressing me over this time, um, just in terms of the really amazing, radical, interesting people that live here <laughs> and are doing sort of like undercover, really cool stuff. So 
Wow. Yeah, the South has more more than people think, and we're really, really, really grateful to be here. And um, yeah, trying to make it work. Oh, it's amazing. I'll I'll obviously send people in the direction of maybe like the the Instagram account then for the institute. Yeah. But yeah, I, definitely. We have um, well, we're doing just like primitive kind of COVID protocol camping right now. Okay. But um, we are going to be start doing programs so people can come and do like ten day, two week stays, and do all the workshops and be with the land and yeah, that's what we're looking at. Well, where else can I send people? Because I think you know you you offer your services and you also I think have like dream journals and books. Where can people check that stuff out? Totally. Um, so if you go to my website keziavida.com, K-E-Z-I-A-V-I-D-A. Um, I have a lot of it stuff on there and there's two different downloads you can get. One of them is the daily dream pages, which has the worksheet with the journal. And one of them is the um, nightmare medicine, which is a guided sort of journey that you can go on with me to um, sort of process whatever difficult dream that you might have faced. And then I have a lot of other, I have a whole blog um, on there with a lot of different blog posts and, um, links to this journal that I did create called the dreaming eye, which you can um, purchase on Amazon. And also through me personally, if you want to email me, I can mail you one. And uh, it is just kind of an intro. So if you're just looking for a way to kind of deepen your dream practice, it's got a bunch of different exercises and approaches and yeah, I do one-on-one work and I do circles and we're going to be doing more dream stuff out here too. So definitely get in touch and thanks for reaching out. It was really fun to talk to you. Yep. That is a wrap on episode number 165 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. Thank you so much to Kezia for joining as a guest today. And thank you to all of you Voyagers for tuning in. As always, folks, please take care of each other. I will catch you next time. Bye-bye.